Hey, it's Dusty Otis. Welcome to the Redefined Church Podcast. I'm so glad that you're taking part of your day to join us. I hope this message challenges you. I hope that it inspires you. But more importantly, I hope that it helps you grow spiritually. If you want to be a part of what we're doing here at Redefined Church, you can always support us by going to liveredefined.com forward slash give. I hope you enjoy today's message. Today we're discussing how to find stability in truth. And although um, our routine is great, the things that we looked forward to and the things that we like to lean on and the things that we could count on, even though a lot of that has changed and there's some uncertainty, uh, routine is not where we find stability. A lot of people think it is. Structure is not where you find stability. The one thing that will always outlast your routine is God's truth. And more importantly, we only find stability in truth when the Spirit is present. And so how can we know truth then? And if you joined us last week, this is, uh, this is kind of part two of that message. And so we got to look at God, God who is a spirit. God is spirit. God is truth. And so Proverbs 2.9, God shows us how to distinguish right from wrong and how to find the right decision every time. And what um, we need to think about in today's context, meaning 2020, is there are three philosophies that have really kind of been our moral compass for the last 20 years or so. And they've really wreaked havoc on how we live life and how we operate. And those uh, three philosophies are individualism, secularism, and relativism. And the consequence of these three philosophies have really uh, just wrecked society in general. And it's, it's just been a, a, just a slow, steady erosion of how we live life. They've impacted each of us. They've impacted me greatly. And, um, and, and in words and ways that I can't even comprehend, they've especially impacted our morals, our values, our traditions. Really, they've changed the way that we operate. And social media has a lot to do with that. The media has a lot to do with that. Politics have a lot to do with that. There's a, there's a ton they go into, and it seems like everything right now is on blast because uh, all the things that kind of keep our attention shifted uh, off of uh, the things that cause us stress have all been taken away from us, and all you constantly hear is negative, loud noise, right? And so then what do we do about that? What do we do about that? We're talking about truth, living in spirit, and truth. And so we have to start with God. We have to start with God. We have to get back to our first love like we talked last week. And so God embodies truth. God is spirit. God is truth. What is right and wrong gets its meaning in the character of God himself in his word. And so dishonesty is wrong because God is honest. Unfaithfulness is wrong because God is faithful. Because God is faithful. You can know truth by looking at how God interacts with us. The Bible says, says that he shows us how to distinguish right from wrong and how to, find, how to find the right decision every time. How? By his spirit and in truth, right? We know the character of God through his word. And so if you meet with God, if you call yourself a believer or a Christian, then there should be a daily interaction time that you're having with God. I was talking to Oscar earlier this week, and uh, we were talking about uh, one of our daily proverbs. And I just said, here's the thing, buddy. I said, when you feel that way, that's when you get to talk to God and you can pray and, and all that. And I said, here, just think about this. I said, if I, as your dad, only said good morning to you and only said good night to you, how much would you love me? And he's like, not very much. And I said, how good would our relationship be? And he said, not very much. 
Yeah. And I said, exactly. And so then in those times, here's what me and mom are talking to you about. And we're trying to explain to you. This is when you go to God and you say, God, this is how I'm feeling. Will you help me understand this? Can you just help me understand this? And so then what I love about the Bible is the Bible tells us what's true, whether we like it or not. The Bible is going to give you the truth, whether you like it or not. And the fact of the matter is so many people have turned away from the truth because they don't like it. They just don't like it. And what you understand is we get to know God's character through his truth. So then we have to get back to the truth. And that means we need to be operating in the spiritual realm, right? And so what you see is this. Once we encounter God's truth, once we find God's truth, we recognize that two things happen every time that we encounter God's truth. God's truth. Every time we see this, see these two things. One, God's truth is universal. God's truth is universal. It applies to everyone. There's not one person excluded from God's truth. If it does not apply to everyone, then it's not truth. It's opinion. That doesn't live in here. That's not God's truth. And so then it's universal. That means it applies to everyone. You can take that to the bank. Number two, it's unchanging. It will not be moved. It will not be moved. What was wrong 2,000 years ago in here is wrong today will be wrong 4,000 years from now. It does not change with culture or society or fashion or some new thing, right? God's truth never changes. And so then a law might change, a mandate might be made, a rule might be changed, but God's law never changes. And so what we have to ask ourselves is this then, Whose morals are we living by? Whose justice are we seeking? Whose community are we living? Whose family? Whose family? And whose values? Whose values? And what's the answer to that? Is God at the end of every one of those? I want to see God's justice. I want to see God's morality. I want to see God's community. I want to see God's family. And I want to live by God's values. That's what you have to ask yourself. Who's justice? And if God's not at the end of that, if God's not the answer, then we're wrong. We're just wrong. And there's no truth in that. There's no spirit in that. Because if the answer is not God, it's not universal and it's not unchanging. It's something that we're trying to make a difference. And we have all these different avenues and, and ways of being today. And God says, no, man, you're just you're you're three parts whole. And this is how I've made you to exist. I've created you to exist this way. And I've created you in my image. And I've created you all in my image. And you're the human race. And that's it. And that's it. That's the truth. That's the truth. And so as you ask yourself these questions, every day you have to make the choice. Every day you have to make the choice. And reality is society gives us really three options to discover truth, right? And here are those three options. Here's what we can choose to base our morality on. We can base it on what we think, what I think personally. I can base it on what somebody else thinks. 
or I can base it on what God says. I can base it on the truth. And those are the only options we have. There's no other way to approach truth, right? What I say, what others say, or what God says. And what we see is our choices really dictate how we learn, how we live, and how we lead. It's our discipleship model. So our choices need to be in spirit and truth. Now, let's take a deeper look at John 4. If you have your Bibles and your notebooks, John 4, I'm going to back up now. And this is something I couldn't see in the beginning. And it took me uh, until Friday to actually get this. And um, here's what Jesus says to the Samaritan woman, which I found was just really interesting. And we're talking about bringing stability right now, bringing stability in truth. And so he says, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. Verse 22, you Samaritans worship what you do not, oh, you Samaritans worship what you do not know. We Jews worship what we do know for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers, the believers, will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, as the worshipers must worship in spirit and truth. And what Jesus is telling the woman here is this. God is spirit, and people can only worship him in the power that he really is. In the power that he really is. And I believe there are really three things that God wants you to see this morning. So the first one, and they're really verse 22 and 23. We've talked about spirit and truth thus far. But what I want you to see is in verse 22, he says, he says the Samaritans were certainly wrong, not merely because they worshiped in the mountain, but because they were off in the object of their worship. He's saying, you don't know what you worship. When he says that, he says, you're worshiping the God of Israel, the true God, but you're sunk into ignorance because you're worshiping him as the God of the land. You've put him as he's only this. And really, God must be worshiped as, as the creator of the universe, not the God of this thing, right? And so what you see at the end of verse 22, when Jesus references salvation of the Jews, uh, when he references um, salvation of the Jews, uh, he, what he's saying is, the Jews were certainly right, for we know what we worship. We go upon sure grounds in our worship, for people, for our people, are trained up in the knowledge of God as He has revealed Himself in the Scripture. What's He saying? We worship in spirit and truth. For we know what we worship. We go upon sure grounds in our worship, for our people are trained up in the knowledge of God as He has revealed Himself in Scripture in truth. In truth, what he's not saying is the Jews, all the Jews are saved. And if you're uh, anybody else, you're not saved. He's not saying that. He's not saying that it's not possible for Gentiles or Samaritans to be saved because every, every nation who reverences God and does the right thing is going to be accepted by God, right? The second thing I want you to see is Jesus tells us what is necessary and essential in worship, right? He says that we worship God in spirit and truth. This is verse 23 and 24. So what I want you to see is the stress is not to be laid upon the place where we worship God, but upon the state of mind in which we worship Him, right? 
in spirit. It's not caught up in the externals and it's not, well, I do, I do worship on this day at this time. If our lives are an act of worship, it's who we are. It's how we operate. It's the way we live. We live in the spiritual realm. Then what he's saying is it's not about where you worship and it's not about the time you worship. And it's not about the temperature in which the room is set for how or when you worship. It does not matter where you worship. What is more important, what is more important is, where'd it go? Is the state of mind in which you worship, that you worship in spirit, in spirit. Here's the reality. The reality is those who have a daily time with God, whether you call it a chair time or a prayer time, or I read the Bible, or some of you do it, you know, wherever and whenever it happens, okay? Those who do it on a consistent basis understand that where is not the issue. It's not about this Sunday I have to get to church, right? Where is not a concern. Where is not a concern. It's not about worship being ceremonial, those who worshiped, uh, those Samaritans who worshiped generally, were generally carnal, and they were strangers to the inward part of divine worship. It was routine for them. This is what I believe God wanted me to see and wanted me to share. It was routine. It was not in, it was not in spirit. And so when we talk about stability in truth, it's not going to be part of our routine. It's not, that's what he says. There's going to come a time when you're not going to, it doesn't matter if you worship on this mountain or in Jerusalem. That's, that's, that's not it. That's not because it's not about the place. And then he talks about the Jews. We have a knowledge because it's been revealed to us through Scripture. We worship in spirit and truth. And so in verse 23, you see uh, the hour cometh and now is, is a fixed state of time. And what he's saying is now is the time. And this is the place. Now is the time, and this is the place. And so in gospel times, true worshipers, believers in Jesus, believers, they worship the Father in spirit and truth. So then as human beings, we worship the Father of all creation. As believers, we worship the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. The change is in the nature of the worship. The change is in the nature of the worship. Believers shall worship God, not in an observance, not in a ceremony, not in a ritualistic type of way, but in a spiritual ordinance, right? This should be consistent of something more in the spirit, in the divine connection to God's spirit and his energy. If God's spirit if what we talked about in the beginning being three parts whole, if, God, if we want God's spirit to fill us, then we should be in spirit when we worship. And that should be an action 24-7. It should be a part of our lives. The way we worship Jesus, the way that we worship which Jesus instituted is rational and intellectual. And it's the external, it's, it's free of the ceremony and the Old Testament worship, which was really clouded and clogged. What I'm saying is worship is not legalistic. It's not a, it's, it, it's not that. It's not what the, what the Samaritans made it. Jesus shares why God must be worshiped. This is my third point that I think that God brought to us is this. 
when God comes to inquire for worshipers, right? The question will not be, who worshiped at Jerusalem? Oh, you guys, you guys didn't make that trip? Oh, you're not from there? Can't help you. That's not going to be the question. The question is going to be, who worshiped in spirit? Who worshiped in spirit? That's going to be the barometer. Period. And so then, in worshiping in spirit and truth, we must see God for who he really is. We must see God for who he really is. And it is this, God is a spirit. He is an infinite and eternal mind, an intelligent being, immaterial, invisible, and incorruptible. It's easier to say what God is not than to say what he is because he is everywhere all the time. If God were not a spirit, he could not be perfect, nor infinite, nor eternal, nor independent, nor the father of all spirits, which would mean the father of your spirit. We must worship in spirit and truth, which means we must operate the same way. It is, it is an act. Our lives are an act of worship, right? So we need to operate in that realm. And so before we go uh, on to the close, we're going to take uh, just a few minutes to uh, hit some questions for discussion. And uh, we're going to take six minutes here. It's not going to be enough time. Uh, and that's on purpose. And I'll, I'll explain that to you here in a second. So those culture, those, those cultures, those questions are this. You have to go a little bit deep. You can answer these. Remember, you're going to answer one to what, how do, what do I think about this? What do others think about this? What does God say about this? Right? And so don't answer for others. You need to seek God's truth in this and seek God's truth for you in this. How it applies to everybody else makes no difference to you right now as we answer these questions. So question number one, how has our culture tried to convince you that truth changes? Almost like the spirit's been obsolete. Why do you, number two, why do you have to make the choice every day to base your beliefs on God's truth? That's how we live in spirit, right? And number three, what do you need to do better to understand God's character through his word? through his word. And so we're going to put a couple of minutes above the clock and then I will come back and I will close this out because we're going to talk about building uh, stability based on God's unchangeable and um, universal truths. So go right ahead.
Don't you love the old hymn, Tis So Sweet? Um, I was talking to Heather about that um, about that last week. And um, it's just so sweet to trust in Jesus, to trust, to trust the truth, to trust, trust the truth. I hope you had great conversation and great discussion. Um, here's the thing. Those ended intentionally because some people engage more than others. The goal, though, in ending them short is this, that you would take time this week and go back and dig a little bit deeper and do a deeper dive, especially with what uh, I'm fixing to share with you now as we close. And so, so the question is, as we open, how do I find stability in truth? And remember, in John 4, 21 and 22, what Jesus says, there's going to come a time where you don't worship here or there, and the way you worship is not going to matter. Remember, he's saying it's not about your routine. It's not legalistic. It's not something that you have to do. And so then it's not in your routine. Although your routine is great, the one thing that will always outlast your routine is God's truth. More importantly, we only find stability in truth when the Spirit is present because our lives are an act of worship. And so the key to stability in your life is to focus on God's universal, unchangeable truths. Unchangeable truths. Understand that God is Spirit and truth. This is the way we operate as believers. Understanding that God is spirit and truth. This is how we operate as believers. For some, that's a problem because the Bible is unchangeable. We talked about it earlier. Everything around the Bible has changed. We used to build things based on this book. And we used to believe that everything that came into fruition was from the book. And then we got off track. And this book has taught us how to get back on track. Some of us are, some of us aren't, some of us forgotten, some of us don't want anything to do with it. And the reality is, is this is the truth. This is the truth. The Bible is unchangeable. The Bible is universal truth. And so it doesn't matter what changes around it, the Bible can never change. And so as everything else does, the one thing that I love is I can count on this. I can count on this. You can count on this. You can count on God's truth. You might not be able to count on the latest mandate or the newest rule or another law or what's happening in everything around you. You might not be able to count any of that, but you can count 
on this. Thank God we have the Bible. Thank God we have the Bible. Remember, truth is God's view on any subject. Truth is God's view on any subject. So then, Dusty, everything around me is uncertain. How do I find stability? How you talked about operating in spirit and truth and, and the stability is not found in our routine, but really, how do I operate? How do I find stability? You have to focus on truth. You have to focus on truth. And I'm not going to leave you there. I'm going to give you some stuff today. So I hope you've got a notebook or a piece of paper. We're going to put these on the screen one at a time. Um, and as we do that, if you don't have anything, screenshot these because your action step involves these truths. Okay. And so you cannot focus on false truth, on opinions, on predictions, on he said, she said, on what the boss said, on what the business doing, on what the stocks say. You cannot focus on what the um, news says. You cannot focus on what social media says because everybody's offended there too. Okay. Do not focus on anything. If you want to find stability, focus on truth. So truth is what gives you stability. So then what are God's unchangeable truths? What are God's unchangeable truths? These were taught to me a long, long time ago. Here's number one. Write this down. God sees you and God knows you. He knows your circumstance. Focus on that. That is an unchangeable universal truth. Applies to every human being. God numbered the sand in the sea. He numbered the hairs on your head. He knows you better than you know yourself. He sees you and he knows your circumstance. Focus on that. My God sees me. Number two, God cares about you and everything that you're going through. God cares about you and everything that you're going through. Period. Focus on that. He's helped and been involved in much worse circumstances with much worse people. God's never used anybody perfect, so now's not the time to say, well... Don't play the poor me game. Why? Because God cares about you and he cares about everything you're going through and he's going to see you through. He's going to see you through. Number three, God has the power to change what you're going through. He has the power to answer your prayer. That is always true. That is always true. God always acts with kindness and with goodness toward you. That will never change. Well, that's does not the God I serve. The God I serve. Here's the thing. If you have grown up and lived in the Old Testament, okay, there's this, there's this thing called the cross right at the end of the Old Testament that leads you to the New Testament where God has sent his son, the greatest act of kindness and goodness that we'll ever, ever know about. And God sent his son to die on a cross, period, so that you could have life, life abundantly, life eternally. God, God always acts with kindness and goodness to, towards you. And if that means that's, if that's the first time you've ever heard that, let's have coffee. Let's have a conversation. I'll even Zoom if you want to Zoom. We'll Zoom, 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 whatever. But man, let's talk about getting into the New Testament and finding out the promises of God for your life. Uh, number, where am I? One, two, three, four, five. Number five. God's plan is always better than yours. This is a universal, unchanging truth. Some of us don't like that because we want to be the planner. The problem is when we are the planner, we exclude God. 
when we exclude God, normally doesn't go how we like, and then we start blaming him, and we think that he's not being kind or good to us, and that uh, he doesn't want to answer our prayers, and that he doesn't care about what I'm going through, and that he doesn't see me. Well, when we exclude him, it's easy to feel all of those negative circumstances. God's plan is better than your plan. You may not see it, but it's good. And the reason it's good is because he is good. And the other reasons I listed are all lead to that, right? And so number six, God will never stop loving you. God is never going to stop loving you, period. That will never change. It's biblical. It's all through this thing, right? For God so loved the world. You are the world, okay? God will never stop loving you. That will never change. It's universal. It's unchanging. It's unchanging. And the last one, God will never leave you. You will never lose God if you believe that he sent Jesus Christ to die on a cross for you, that Jesus was raised again and took your place. If you believe that, you will never lose God. God will never leave you. Once he has you, he will never leave you. 2 Timothy 1.12 says this, For I know the one in whom I trust, and I am sure that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until the day of his return. He is always with you. He's always with you. Write these promises down. These are the unchanging, universal truths of God for you. They'll last, they've lasted up to this point, and they'll be around way after we're gone. These are the unchanging truths of God. Write them down. Your action step this week is to look at these promises daily until you believe them in your spirit. Until you believe them in your spirit. So you can be reminded every single day. Well, hey, thanks so much for listening to today's message. I hope that it challenged you and that you'll take steps this week to have a greater faith and to go deeper in your relationship with God. If you want to know more about what's happening here at Redefine Church, you can visit us online at liveredefine.com. Follow us on social media at Redefine Church or subscribe to our YouTube channel. Thanks so much. Talk to you soon.